That was worship, wasn't it? And worship's a lifestyle. Really, everything that we do is worship. Every moment of every day of our lives, not just for an hour on Sunday morning. But I felt God, I felt the Spirit, and I trust that you did too. We've been talking a little bit about the path that Jesus and the disciples walked, and we are, in essence, putting our feet into the sandals of the disciples and following along with Jesus as he encounters people and as he teaches. And so we've been talking about these Karens and the various paths, and uh, Judy Hudson gave me a picture of her grandson as he built a Karen on the beach and so on, and just calling to mind again how important it is that we follow the markers of our Lord and that we set those markers so that others may follow as well. And so my thanks to Judy Hudson for that that picture. You have an insert in your bulletin with a sermon outline. If that helps you to kind of follow along, let's invite Jesus to be a part of our conversation. Lord Jesus, as we sang these songs, as we listened with our hearts to the words... Bless the poor and the powerless. Lord, we just think of so many needs that we have, that one another has. We think of the prayer requests in these baskets, Lord, and and recognize that we have to turn to you. We cannot do it on our own. And as we listen to how your son Jesus encountered uh, an individual today, may our hearts be touched and challenged. We pray this in your name. Amen. Do you remember the last time that you jabbed yourself with something sharp, maybe a pin or a needle or a knife or something like that? And uh, what happened? Ow! Yeah, exactly. Ow! First thing we do is kind of make that exclamation of amazement and wonderment. How could I have done something so stupid? It hurts. We grab for it. We suck on it, we check out the damage and so on and see, does this need a visit to the urgent care clinic? Or, and we're responding to a message that goes from that ow to our brain and tells us something is wrong and needs to be dealt with. Our pain center starts sending off those alarms, those whistles that say, we've got to do something about this. Now, as gruesome as that may sound, I want you just to imagine for a moment that your brain didn't get the message, that you didn't feel a thing. You touch a flame, nothing, nada, no pain at all. We'd call our doctor, but if this happened 2,000 years ago, you'd have a pretty good idea what it was, and you'd be a little reluctant to share with anybody. You would look at your chalky appendages, and the first word that would come to your mind was, Leprosy. One of those most terrifying diseases of the time that could be uttered. It's caused by a bacterial infection. And that infection gets into your system and creates disfigurement, disability, susceptibility to other infections because your immune system is compromised. Loss of sensation and feeling body lesions And body parts would literally fall off. People would ultimately die, not always from the leprosy, but from 
often the collage of infections that they would get. You and I would go to urgent care. We'd get it taken care of. But in Jesus' time, they'd be reluctant to tell anybody about it because it was a very sensitive thing. Um, And there was the whole thing of the stigma, the social stigma. And they would be in isolation, rejected. They would feel a sense of hopelessness and depression. They would uh, have a sentence without hope of parole to this disease. Think about it for a moment. Banished to a colony of other lepers in the outskirts of villages and towns, out in the caves in the desert. No contact with the outside world, with family or friends. If you were out in the community, you would have to take a bell. And you would have to ring that bell and say, Unclean! 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 Broadcasting to all your disease. It would be hard. Talk about self-image problems. Uh, That would kind of take it, wouldn't it? Others, they couldn't touch you. They couldn't even touch your food once you had started to eat. Your clothes that you wore, they could not touch. Or else they would also become unclean. And faced with the social stigma, there would, are many in the Bible, uh, many references in the Bible that speak of this illness and the surrounding rules in order that the disease might not spread because it was great fear of leprosy. Imagine, if you can, the loneliness, the despair, the rejection, never to feel your mate's touch again, never to be able to hug your children Never to be able to touch your mom or dad's hand. And with that backdrop, let's look at our text in Mark chapter 1. Beginning at verse 40, that was read for us earlier. And I want you to put yourself in the leper sandals for this morning. I want you to think for a moment of what it might have been like. You hear of a man, this man is called Jesus. You hear that he's done some miracles, some healings, some great teachings that people are incredibly amazed. He casts out demons. He raises up feverish women. He heals paralyzed servants by the touch of his hand or by his spoken word. Imagine the leper's thoughts. (laughs) Sure, there are miracles, but are there really miracles? Maybe this Jesus can do demons. Maybe he can cure a fever. But leprosy? Put my appendages back on my body? Give feeling and sensation back? Restore me to my community and my loved ones? This leper we know about. But there must have been scores of other lepers. Could it be? Would it be possible? But there would be a lot of risk. A lot of risk. A leper going to get close enough to Jesus? How is that going to happen? No texting or tweeting in that day. Don't forget the crowds. They were all around Jesus. And he was unclean. Imagine him trying to get through the crowd. Ringing his bell. Unclean! Unclean! People pulling back in horror at this gauze-wrapped man, this unclean person, expressing their revulsion and sometimes even their anger. 
that he would even dare come out in public. But he thinks, on the other hand, what do I have to lose? What do I have to lose if I try to approach Jesus? What are they going to do, banish me from society? I'm already banished. And then the resolve. I've got to take the chance. I have to take the chance. Picture it. The crowds, the frenzy all around Christ as they're seeking to see him and to hear him. Enter the leper. A communal gasp from the crowd and then silence. Other than, unclean, unclean. Can you picture it? The sea of people parting like the Red Sea in Exodus. Preparing a way for this man as he comes. And it says that he comes on his knees before Christ. Totally humiliation. Throwing himself at this man, Jesus' mercy. In Luke's account of the story in chapter 5, verse 12, it says he had his face in the dust, in the ground. Three of our Gospels tell this story. All three have the exact same wording of what this man said. Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Lord, if you are willing, if you choose, you can make me clean. Find anything interesting about that request? First of all, it's not a request. It's not a request. The leper doesn't ask for a thing. What's he do? He makes one of the most profound affirmations of the sovereignty of Christ. If you choose, you can make me clean. What a witness to Jesus. What a witness to his authority. What a witness to his power. If you will. Now I have to confess to you. I wish I knew, I wish I understood why God doesn't heal all that we ask. Don't you? Yeah. Blue is in the hospital. I went and saw him yesterday. He's got a tube down his uh, airway and so he's not able to talk. All he can do is nod yes or no. He's in pain. He's in emotional pain. He's wondering why this had to happen. It's going to be a long recovery and a difficult healing. We need to pray for our brother Blue. Oh, but I've seen God heal. I've seen the miraculous healing so many times. I bear witness in my own life to my own healing and recovery from cancer. I know that we have much more to learn about how to set free God's healing power, but I still wish I knew why it doesn't always happen. As I read this brief text, I find great power. I find great peace in the prospect of claiming this as an opening to my prayers, to my prayers for people or myself. My prayers in times of great need, my prayers in time of crisis or pain or difficulty. If we began our prayers with God, God, if you will, you can heal me or you can heal my brother Blue. You can solve the relationship problem 
of this sister and brother. You could take care of the finances of this person to begin the prayer as the leper did, a man of faith did, proclaiming God's power and God's authority first. What is it in your life that you have refused to believe that God can change? What is it in the life of this church that we have refused to believe that our God could change as a result of our prayers? In verse 41, Jesus reaches out His hand. Jesus is filled with compassion. And He reaches out to this man, this unclean man. In the Greek, that term for compassion that's translated compassion is schlagsnois. Wonderful, beautiful term, isn't it? It literally means bowel. And in that day, they kind of used that expression the same way we would use it. Oh, I love you from the bottom of my heart. You know, we've raised it up a little bit more. But in that day, they'd say, oh, I love you from my gut. You know, from my bowel, I really love you. From my schlag noise, from the very depths of who I am. Jesus, overcome with compassion, from the core of his being. <laughs> oh, that we would be as deeply moved about the pain and the injustices around us in our world, in our community, in our society. If we have become so callous, so hardened, it seems, because it seems to happen so much. We are bombarded by the media, the radio, the TV, movies, and so on. Uh, newspapers. What moves us to our core anymore? Also, I overheard somebody say about the Oso mudslide, almost in a disappointing voice. Sounds like only about 50 were killed, not the 370 they originally thought. And I was grabbed in my schlock's noise. Brothers and sisters, in all my years of youth ministry, I weep inside for the plight of youth today and for their parents. It grabs me. What of their families? What of their lives? What of a culture in which some of these things are done with impunity and seeming no regard for life? Do you get it? Do you really get it? What this encounter of Jesus and the leper was about? Does Jesus have to touch the leper? No. He often would speak a word and there would be healing. In Luke's, uh, or in Matthew's account, I can't remember, Luke's account I think it was, chapter 8. No, it was Matthew's account, chapter 8. Luke is 5. I'll get this. In Matthew's account, chapter 8, the story right after our story is about the healing of the centurion's servant. This centurion comes to him and says in faith, no, you don't have to go and do anything. Just speak the word and my servant will be well. That was his faith. So we can see that God can even heal long distance. What do you think would be the, meaning, uh, the most meaningful thing to this unclean, banished, rejected human being? You see, I believe Jesus had to touch this leper, this unclean man. And even before the healing began, ooh, the healing began at the touch of Christ. And the leper must have been amazed Someone doesn't find me repugnant and repulsive. Someone isn't turning away from me in disgust. 
This Jesus is actually willing to touch me. I haven't been touched in so long. Flash fast forward 2,000 years and think about the odd kid at your school sitting in the lunchroom and when he sits down with his tray, everybody else gets up and leaves. He's picked on, he's made fun of, he's bullied. The unlovable co-worker, the obnoxious and weird one. The person with AIDS or some other dread disease. The handicapped or challenged bagger at Safeway or McDonald's when you're in a hurry. Let us be that brave soul that in Jesus Christ will reach out with compassion and touch our neighbors. Maybe your mate or maybe your son or your daughter needs a hug, needs your touch. Healing needs to happen in some relationships. Jesus touched and said in verse 41, I am willing. Be clean. And in verse 42, when was a leper cured? When was he clean? Immediately, Mark's favorite word. Immediately. None of this messing around, waiting for it to happen. It just happened. The crowd looking on as this man is taking off his bandages and what had been stubs and stumps were now fingers and toes and nose. What had been chalky, white, and pasty was now pink. Alive, feeling and nerves, working. Imagine the leper. Imagine the crowd seeing this. And then in verse 43, Jesus says, Then, then, something really weird. Did you see it? See that you don't tell this to anyone. Hmm. Hmm. Did you catch that? Don't say a word. Now, we may think it kind of went like this. Jesus talking to the man. You know, gee, my day tamer, pretty full, lots of appointments, lots of healings and stuff like this to do. Uh, you know, I'm going to have appointments up the wazoo if you go and tell anybody about this. And if you go and tell, I'll have every leper in Palestine here. And this really isn't what I was called to do. I've got other things on my docket that God wants me to do. Uh, let's kind of keep it between us, just the two of us. You know? <laughs> but that's not what the text says, at least in the Greek. Because the word there says that Jesus sent him away with a strong warning, literally sternly admonished. In Luke it says Jesus ordered him. And the actual word translates out as more of a a sneer, more of a snort, a growling. So it probably went more like this. Don't tell anyone! Why? Why? Well, commentators have a lot of theories about why. We don't know from the text, from any one of the three texts. Maybe it was because of the crowds. He was already overwhelmed with the crowds, seeking to find lonely places to be with his God at times. Or maybe it was because he didn't want the news out yet about this messianic secret, that he was the Messiah, the Christ, the one who had come for salvation. It wasn't the time yet to let that news break. 
Or, or maybe because from Galilee to the temple in Jerusalem is about 75 miles. And if this guy blabs all the way, if he told everyone along the way, he'd never get there. You know, I wonder, maybe Jesus Christ in his humanity couldn't take all the pain of seeing those people in their terrible needs. We don't know. We don't know. So what's our guy do? Well, we turn to verse 45 for Paul Harvey's The Rest of the Story. Verse 45, instead, instead he goes off blabbing, diarrhea of the mouth. He couldn't stop himself from talking. Good news can't be contained. First stop, where do you think he went? I'm saying it's the leper colony. Hey, Mordecai. (laughs) Mordecai, it's me. Don't recognize me? Zedekiah. Zedekiah, really? Yeah, look at me. My fingers, my face. Pink, pink as a baby's bottom. (gasps) I can imagine Mordecai's, hmm, I should have gone too. 75 miles of that, sharing what Jesus had done. Now, you'd think after somebody doing a miracle for you and healing you, and if they asked you to do a little favor, hey, don't say anything about this, you'd think you'd be obeying that healer, wouldn't you? But not this guy. How about you? Would you be doing it, ladies, when you got that engagement ring? Did you ever notice how that hand all of a sudden became so light and would waft under people's noses? You know, it came into every conversation. Or how about passing your SATs or your boards or some certification? Or when you got that award or got that first place blue ribbon or gold medal? Or when your medical test came back clean and it was such incredible news? Or you're pregnant or the adoption went through and you're just praising the Lord and you have to tell somebody. You just have to find someone to share good news with. Am I right? Gratitude demands telling. And this was one happy leper. When you are grateful, you want to share it. Are you grateful? Is it maybe the lack of gratefulness, why we don't share? Are you grateful? Are you blabbing about your Lord Jesus Christ? Does it just spill forth and overflow because of all that God has done for you? An interesting observation, I don't know how much research went into this, but it's said that Christians in the first year of their relationship with their Lord lead more people to Christ than all the rest of the years they are in the Lord put together. Why do you think that is? Why do you think that is? Because something has happened. Something has transformed you. But then after a while, it becomes kind of complacent and ho-hum because we no longer search out our God. It's that freshness of relationship when we first come to Him. I've challenged you during this series on discipleship. These forms were inserted in your bulletin last week or they're available out in the information table where you can make some personal commitments to your Lord to see what character qualities true disciples need as they follow the Lord and how God might use you. 
I find in my own personal discipleship that refreshing my prayer life, my conversations with God, refreshing my Bible study and being involved in worship on a regular basis, not looking for every excuse I can find, being involved in a small group or in our Sunday school classes. Or I find refreshment in service when I see what I can do, how I can make a difference. Our young people right now, along with Greg and and Beth, going down to L.A. to minister for a week. May we pray for them. And may we, through those prayers, enliven, quicken, make fresh for those young people a witness for Christ. Acts chapter 1, verse 8 says, When God's Holy Spirit comes upon you, you shall receive power and be my witnesses. Are we? Have you experienced that power? Are you letting the Spirit flow through you? Because you will touch people I will never touch. You may be the only gospel that they will ever see. Let's pray. God, God, 